0: Welcome to The Intuitive Customer, where we discuss how you can improve your customer experience and your bottom line. And now, here are your hosts, award-winning influencer and pioneering author of seven books, Colin Shaw and Professor Ryan Hamilton from Emory University. One of the, the explanations that's been given for loss aversion is this idea that it's a way of managing anticipated regret so that we we recognize that if we lose something, we will feel more regret down the road because of that than if we were to gain something, there's no regret. So it's like a regret management.
1: 40% of people report spending money on something at least once a year that they intend to post about on social media. So they're going to events or spending money on something just so they can post it on social media.
0: Sometimes it's just time scarcity. Like this evening at this bar, that's only going to happen once, right? And if you don't go tonight, it'll never be exactly the same again.
1: So Ryan, have you seen the film Avatar? Avatar.
0: Uh, I did. I took my my kids to it. Um, I was very impressed. My uh, nine-year-old was not. I asked him what he didn't like, and he said that the graphics were not very good when you took off the 3D glasses. So everybody be warned, if you're going to go see Avatar, graphics are not good if you take off the 3D glasses. Now, let me
1: ask you the most important question. Yeah. Not that this is a competition, but... Yeah, I feel like it's. Did you manage to get through the whole of it without going to the
0: restroom? I did, but I was in the company of several small children who did not. I had, I had to take a child out during, like, the height of, of the final battle sequence. So, um, I, uh, I, got, I got
1: all the way through to the final battle sequence, yeah. and then I thought. I definitely just can't wait any longer.
0: (laughs) It turned into a different kind of battle. Yeah.
1: yeah. It was, um, and for those of you that haven't seen it, it was like three three hours, 15 minutes
0: or something. No, No, it was longer than that. It was four and a half months is how long that (laughs) would Yeah. It's, It's an entire season.
1: Yeah, incredible. Anyway, so when I'm at Avatar, there are three young women, girls, sat in front of me okay, Uh, I'm there with my son. They're on their bloody phone, this one phone, the one in the middle, and they're giggling all through the film at something that's been put on, you know, on their phone. I have to say they did dim the screen. But I I nearly, I nearly spoke to them about it, but I, I resisted the temptation. But it made me think, FOMO. Yeah. And I thought... FOMO, And if anybody doesn't know what that means, what does it mean, Ryan? A fear of missing out, F-O-M-O. Yes, fear of missing out. And you and I have talked about it, but we've never actually done a podcast on it. And I thought, great opportunity to do a podcast. The fear of missing out. Do you want to do the usual bit of explaining what it is and then we can get into some of the issues and applications and everything else?
0: It's only, it it's actually started to be recognized by research psychologists as kind of a distinct phenomenon. Like its it's got their research papers on FOMO specifically. For me, it, it seems like uh, just a specific instance of regret uh, or regret management. So the basic idea is, we feel like we have to participate in something because we worry that if we don't, we will come to regret it, right? So to a certain extent, this has always been true, right? Like you go back to when you and I were were teenagers and your friend proposes going to some party or something else and you think it sounds terrible, but you end up going anyway because you're worried that it might be really fun and if you don't go... Or someone was having a party and you weren't invited, right? No, that never happened to me, Colin. I don't. Yeah, like you, you know, you participate in stuff because you're worried that if you don't and it turns out great, then you will have missed out on the opportunity. Where I think it's become, you know, more specific recently is a lot of people talk about it specifically around uh, social media and the idea that if you don't check your social media feeds constantly, then you're going to be missing out on what other people are doing or some latest trend or some meme that's going to get up. And then you'll just, you'll be excluded socially. So that's that's a big idea with FOMO.
1: Let me give you some stats that support that. And we'll put a link in the show notes of where I pulled this from. But some stats that I thought were interesting was 69% of people believe that They miss important events if they don't check Facebook and social media platforms. And those events are necessary to strengthen their relationships. Okay. Which I thought was interesting about strengthening the relationship. That seems
0: crazy to me. Like I I cannot think of a single event that I missed out on by not checking. Yeah. I guess it's the definition of event, doesn't it? Because. I, I will give you the broadest definition of event possible. I, I think that a lot of this, and maybe this is just I'm too curmudgeonly to um, like be up on this stuff, but this seems like such a an, an illusion. There's like the worry about the worry of missing yeah. out. Um, like so little actually happens on social media, and yet, yeah, I'm so worried about missing the, out. The thing
1: something. I would the thing I would look at is with that stat is what group of people.
0: Yes, that's a good point. Because I
1: think it would be different by different groups of people. Let let me give you a couple of other stats. Keep going. As a result, around 51% of people visit or log into their social media more frequently than they did two years ago. This stat is from 2021. So if I was a gambling man, that would have increased dramatically uh, by now. 27% of people check their social media accounts as they wake up. I have to say, I saw that and I thought, Maybe this just goes to show me, but I thought, that seems a small number. Yeah. 45% of users experience FOMO, can't wait for more than 12 hours to check their social media accounts. 20% of users can't waste more than an an hour without visiting their social media networks. A few other stats, I'll come to those in a bit. But I think that just supports the argument, doesn't it?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a really prevalent thing. I, I mean, people visit social media for more than just FOMO. They visit it for entertainment value. Some people do make social connections and maintain them that way. But FOMO is a really powerful motivator.
1: So would you class awards as FOMO? So I'm thinking that one of the things that people do, I do, is they go, here are the top 50 people in this. And you think to yourself, hmm, I wonder if I'm in that top 50. Um, it's probably not. It's probably just my ego, isn't it?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that the the link, my understanding of FOMO is that it's driven almost entirely by like kind of negative emotions you know right. there's there's regrets there's fear there's envy there's jealousy and i think that you know narcissism may play into some of that as well and so, yeah if you're constantly looking for external validation i think that also falls within kind of like the the dark emotional motivators that we can have that's looking to motivate us i have to say in my
1: defense that's changed over the years because i couldn't care less now because <laughs> Uh, maybe that's just because I'm getting old and crabby. I don't know. I,
0: I'm I'm a big believer in apathy. I think that there's a lot. <laughs> I think that it's uh, it's good for relationships to have a high level of apathy, a high level of tolerance. I think that it's good for our well-being to care about fewer things.
1: So, is there loss aversion involved
0: here? I presume there is. Loss aversion uh, again is the feeling that we we or it's the the finding that we tend to respond more strongly to losses than we do to gains. It's very, very well-established. It's been replicated. It's, it's important for a lot of different domains. It is criticized though, loss aversion, especially by some psychologists as being a-theoretical. So in other words, it's an empirical finding. People respond more to losses than to gains, but we're not really sure why exactly. And there have been various theories proposed for it, but it's mostly just this empirical generalization. It just seems to be true, and we're not exactly sure why. One of the the explanations that's been given for loss aversion is this idea that it's a way of managing anticipated regret so that we we recognize that if we lose something, we will feel more regret down the road because of that than if we were to gain something, there's no regret. So, it's like a regret management. So, from that perspective, both loss aversion and FOMO seem to be driven in part by regret management. So, yeah, I I think that loss aversion very much plays into our understanding of of FOMO. You're missing out on that experience.
1: Yeah. And I guess, does that also tell you something then about sort of status and where you are in the pecking order and how popular you are? And And I don't know what you would class that from a psychological perspective, but you get the thrust where I'm coming from. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, uh, again, for me, and I don't know if I, I may be in the minority on this, but for me, FOMO just seems like a subclass of regret. Right. So there's regret motivates a lot or anticipated regret motivates a lot of what we do. And FOMO seems to be like one flavor of that, like one one response to regret. But it is one that is very, I mean, especially when, when we define it in terms of social media, it's really a social phenomenon. And so we're worried about the people who, who study FOMO say that it's, it's important, it's so motivational, in part because what we fear of is, is missing out on that experience, but also we fear being socially excluded. So if you are now, now part of this experience, right, like if your buddies all go out to the bar and you decide not to and they have a great time, that then is a bonding experience that will draw them together and you are on the outside and you don't have that experience. And so that, that draws you away from the group. So I think that FOMO can be so motivational for us because the the desire to be a part of a group and to integrate with kind of your clan, your society is so strong in us that we fear social rejection so much that it's really powerful. And especially I think for younger people who don't have who are less apathetic than you and I, who don't have as as strong social connections that have built up over time. They're like teenagers are especially sensitive to social rejection. It's like it's really really important to them that they become a part of the group. And so for them, this social media based FOMO will be extremely motivational. It'll really really be important to them.
1: The interesting bit that you said was the motivation. Yeah. So. It feels to me that part of the reason for the motivation is not just, there's one level of it, which is to be included. Mm-hmm. That, But that inclusion tells you something about your status, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Within that. So therefore, if I'm included in everything, then I'm clearly a high-status animal, and therefore I'm top of the pack in order and blah, 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 blah. blah. Whilst I clearly buy into what you're saying about regret, it feels like there's something there even not even bigger, but as big about wanting to gain that status or keep that status or whatever. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah. And I think that the the people who research FOMO would agree with you completely, where that there is this very much this social component to it where, you know, I, I want to be a part of the group. And I fear missing out on these experiences because that might mean that I'm going to be less a part of the group or have less status or have my status re- reduced. So.
1: Hi, this is Colin, and I wanted to ask you a favor. It would really help Ryan and I if you could spend a moment and complete a review of the podcast. Positive reviews help us get out to more people, and we love hearing from our listeners and seeing what people have written. So please just take a moment and complete a review. Thanks very much for your help. What are some of the practical things then that you can do? You know, so I'm now thinking about this from a marketing perspective, and I'm thinking that I'm sitting here and I'm going actually what I want to happen is I want FOMO to happen. Yeah. With my audience, because if I can evoke that, uh, or tap into that, then that, that helps.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, to the extent that you can make your offering core to some group of people, then that will make it more likely that people will experience FOMO if they are not kind of a part of that conversation. So You know, there there are some like celebrities or celebrity brands where people are talking about them all the time, particularly certain social groups. And so if you are not keeping up with that celebrity or that brand, that offering, what they're doing, then you're going to be less a part of that. So, for example, sports enthusiasts, particularly like those who are enthusiastic about some particular team, their social group a lot of that conversation might be about how that team is doing and what's going on with that. And so you might have real FOMO if you are not constantly checking in on that team and not even just the games but also like the injury reports or what's going on with practice or how you know you know the team they're going to be playing next week. If you if you are like checked out from that stuff, that can damage your status within your group and that can erode the bonds that you have with these people. I think that that's true of all kinds of different social groups that we can be a part of. Like if you're in the know, then your status can be higher, your your social bonds can be stronger. And if you are are not a part of that, then you're not going to be a part of those conversations.
1: So I was thinking about the Cleveland Browns. Of course you were. I was thinking, so how do you get FOMO for the Cleveland Browns? Or is it actually FOMO that, that nobody likes them and therefore you just join the join the group of
0: people that nobody they don't like. I mean, well, first of all, nobody chooses to be a Cleveland Browns fan. We are, <laughs> we are born into it as a, as a burden that we bear by virtue of having lived in or around Cleveland. But yeah, so there's an interesting study done with Chicago Cubs fans. So the Chicago Cubs have had a couple of decades where they've done quite well, but for a long time, they were like the the perennial loser team dating back to the 1980s and, and beyond. And yet they had a, a hardcore solid fan base. And so there was a researcher that went and like spent a season hanging out with these hardcore Cubs fans, despite the fact that their team kept losing over and over again, but they kept going to games. And, and what he found, perhaps not surprisingly, is the value that people get out of being fans of a sports team is only partially due to the performance of the sports team. You know, you sure. get all these fair weather fans who will show up when the team's doing well, but then you've got groups of fans who it doesn't matter if they're winning or losing. It's the fact that we're in this together, right? And so for them, it's obviously better when the team's winning. We, we like that. But it's it's a bonding experience.
1: It seems to me, mate, you're describing Luton Town Football Club. Yeah. Yeah. I'm a season ticket holder of because um, – as I think the audience may recall that, you know, when you phone them up and say, what what time's kickoff? They say, what
0: time can you get here? Yeah, So, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you look across sports, there are a few teams that are perennially pretty great. You know, like Manchester United's always, I assume they've always been good, right? Like Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, dating yeah. back to the days of King Arthur, like Manchester United, was just great. <laughs> like, um, it was. A, a, it was a few, few games then that were a real problem. Yeah, yeah <laughs> I mean, they they played with an actual stone. Like it was a, it was a rough sport. <laughs> there are a few teams that are always great. Yeah, but if you're a sports fan. You're spending a lot of time disappointed, you know? Like even if your team is great one year, they're probably not going to be that great next year. Like only one team every season gets to win the championship. Part of being a sports fan is being disappointed all the time. And yet so many of us are engaged in that because of the community. And these communities form over all kinds of things, right? There are communities around you know, specific television shows or, you know, um, you know, brands. As you were talking,
1: it was making me think about the fact that we're actually talking about tribalism, aren't we?
0: Basically? Yes, absolutely.
1: Yeah. And, and therefore, again, if you think of FOMO, loss, you've got loss of Virgin part of its tribalism, as well the other one that was then making me think about is framing the message so we've talked again about how you can go about framing the message but it's like framing the message to create that FOMO isn't it so and this is very crude but you don't want to miss out if we are on this this event don't get all your friends to say they've been to this event and you haven't or I guess the that's a negative way of putting it, but you know this is an event that everyone's going to be talking about, or right. that type of messaging, isn't it?
0: Yeah. So so FOMO, you know, it, it's some regret, it's some social cohesion. I think it also has part. Maybe this is part of why it's so interesting, is because there's lots of different causes for it. As you were describing it, there are elements of scarcity. So sometimes it's just time scarcity, like this evening at this bar, that's only going to happen once. Right? And if you don't go tonight, it'll never be exactly the same again. But there are other things that are limited engagements, right? If you go, to, you choose not to go to this concert, like that. this band might not be around again for years. If you choose not to engage with the social media uh, feed now, that's disappearing into the background. So there's an element of scarcity to it. There's also an element of social proof to it, which is that if everybody else is doing it, it must be good. But I think if you combine all of these things then you're getting close to understanding the drivers of FOMO, and, and that's part of what makes it interesting.
1: Yeah. And um, a couple more stats that I thought were interesting as I read through this uh, report. One was, and this goes to your what you were saying earlier, most of the emotions experienced alongside FOMO are negative. 39% feel envious, 30% feel jealous, 21% feel sad or disappointed yeah so it is a negative thing isn't it
0: yeah i mean we we talk and i know you've done research on the importance of these positive emotions and they drive value and so on these are negative emotions they would destroy value for many things there are times when negative emotions motivate us to do things right and so seeing what other people are doing on social media may make us experience FOMO, I I wish that I was doing what I'm seeing these people doing on, on social media, and yet I can't, I don't have enough money to do that. So I'm just experiencing the missing out part, and that makes me sad, and that makes me jealous. And yet we can become kind of addicted to that and still want to go back, even though we know that it's making us feel badly. So
1: again, a couple of other stats that I think build on what you're just saying forty percent of people report spending money on something at least once a year that they intend to post about on social media so they're going to events or spending money on something just so they can post it on social media yeah and and that sort of talks about doesn't it you know that perfect image of I'm having such my life is so wonderful I'm um, doing all these things when actually it's not very wonderful and I'm just projecting this image of it the other stat which you were just referring to is 40% of millennials overspend or worse go into debt just to keep up with their friends 40% yeah that's a lot isn't it uh
0: yeah so the the idea that we're doing something not for its own enjoyment but so that we can tell other people about it yeah is really interesting and it we would predict that it would lead to certain choices. So there are certain things that you can enjoy, but that would be hard to articulate. You know, before we were starting up today, you asked me what what I had done over the holiday break, and we went and visited my in laws, and it was great. It was a, a relaxing time. We you know sat around and outside. It was the weather was pleasant, and so we had a, a fire and, and just enjoyed some quiet downtime. It was not very exciting. And it was not something that I could easily brag about on social media. Sure, We might anticipate that enjoyment held constant. If I'm focused on showing my lifestyle off to other people, I'm going to prefer those experiences that are somewhat unique, that are kind of easy to articulate or express or take pictures of. Right. And as opposed to, there are lots of other things that I could do that I might enjoy just as much, but that would be hard for me to tell anybody about. And so, if I'm focused on, you know, my social media feed, that's going to lead me towards a certain type of, of activity. Some of those might be expected.
1: Yes. No, good point. So, let's get practical. So, usual bit. So what? What does this mean that we do from a a customer experience perspective?
0: Uh, I mean, I'll I'll end with the the last bit that I said. If you want to create FOMO-worthy experiences, it's not enough to deliver a great experience. You need to think about the ways that people can share those experiences with others, right? So that might mean very practical things like are you providing opportunities for people to take pictures that they can post later or videos like is that a part of your experience where you know you've got scenic I had a student um, in my MBA class last year who worked for the state park system and he said this has become a part of what they manage in state parks is you know people want to take pictures to post on Instagram with certain types of backdrops and so they started identifying those and you know, and well, I, the fine yeah. edge and creating. Funny enough,
1: you you were saying that I've just been to Disney, and they've got you know here's a great on the map. It's here's a there great spot to take a picture.
0: There you go, right? And so that facilitates yeah. the sharing. So if you want a FOMO worthy experience, you've got to like take that into account. It's not enough to have a great experience. Hopefully, you will still do that, but it sure. needs to be also a shareable experience, which is a different sure. set of criteria.
1: But it's again part of the reason that they would therefore provide internet to enable you to do that seamlessly.
0: If you don't have Wi-Fi or high-speed internet available right there, you're relying on customers to have to remember to do it later, and then it, the yeah. emotions might have cooled. Yeah. Yeah. The other bit of advice that I'd give is, for me, a lot of what is interesting about FOMO, you know, we talked about regret, we talked about scarcity, but a lot of what's interesting about FOMO is just the fact that we are so motivated as humans to connect with other people. And so whether you've got the type of experience that people want to share, you may have uh, the type of experience that can benefit from allowing connections with other people. I think this is like one of the, the most fundamental motivations that people have and Sure, marketers who can tap into that. I've, I've seen paper plate ads that tapped into community building. They pointed out that like, this is the mechanism that people use for, you know, neighborhood picnics and for gatherings. And, you know, when you eat with your family and you create these, sure. I thought it was a very, like, effective ad to, to remind you that, like, these aren't paper plates. These are a way that you have of connecting with other people. And I think that there are lots of offerings that can potentially do that. And it's very, very powerful.
1: Or they're very cheap Frisbees,
0: either way. Hey, there you go, right? Um, <laughs> a game, you know, in a, a, a pinch.
1: And the only thing I would add is, it is clearly very powerful and it's a it's about thinking about the way and the message that you're going to put with it as well so how are you going to evoke that feeling of missing out and how can you target three girls in the front row in front of avatar that um are going to stop looking at their phone every five seconds during the film but I think that's just a manifestation and some of the stats I've shared is just the manifestation of how powerful all this stuff is. So thanks very much for listening and we hope to be talking to you next week. Okay, cheers. Thanks very much for listening to the show today. We really hope you've enjoyed it. And if you have, it will be really great if you could leave us a review.